Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through. Mr. Nelson, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm okay, Adam. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, just to set the mood for the listener, we have our podcast studio. The lights are very dim. There's a nice, big, comfortable couch. And uh, we always make it pretty comfortable in here. But I feel like today you went an extra step, didn't you, Harry? Yeah, I was messing with the lights. You know, I, I did a, a sort of accent lamp situation. And and by the way, if anyone out there gets a chance, you should definitely listen to Hyper Objects podcast Accent Lamp. Um, it's not getting a lot of listens, but it's really good. All right. Um, Harry, what do you got? You got a word, an image, a location? Uh, yeah. How about how about the lost city of Atlantis? Ooh, that's a good one. I actually went on my honeymoon, as millions of other people have done. I went to Greece, and we saw the old Minoan ruins on Crete, which a lot of people think that's Atlantis, and that that volcano in Santorini erupted and shot a tsunami at this Minoan culture, which was pretty advanced for its time. And uh, you can go visit it. A lot of it's fairly well preserved. But then I've heard some other theories on Atlantis and, and where it might be. Let's name our main character here. I'm feeling like, I feel like we're gonna go with a kid here, like a nine-year-old girl. Let's call her Elisa. Elisa had never been camping before, but her mom and dad had been very excited about it. So they had driven from Boston up into New Hampshire to a campground. It was the fall, so it was a crisp night. It wasn't hot. Whenever I think about camping, I just remember times we did it as a kid, and a lot of times it would be hot. And then at night, you'd be itchy and hot. But this wasn't that kind of night. And Elisa and her parents had gotten one of those kind of easy pop-up tents that slept for. So for the three of them, it was pretty good. And uh, they brought a little hibachi, one of those little portable grills, so they could cook hot dogs and hamburgers. And they had a little solar-powered lantern. But this was after that time. Her mom and dad and her had sung some songs and told some stories. And you could tell her parents were really enjoying that feeling of camping. And there was a lot of nostalgia to it for them. Elisa wasn't going to summer camp, but both her parents had been, and clearly there were a lot of good feelings about it and excitement. 
But this was the period, though, where they had put out the grill and they had already eaten. And yes, they had had s'mores. That was a big thing that her parents had talked about on the trip, that they were going to have s'mores. But now the, the little portable grill was out and the solar lantern was kind of dimming as it got a little bit later. And her parents were laying out the sleeping bags in the tent and getting it ready to go to bed. And Elisa was just left out there on her own looking at the dark trees all around them. And the feeling like the woods just went on and on and on. And also that kind of exciting feeling where you really don't know what's out there. And Elisa's nine years old, so she really doesn't know what's out there. And she could not take her eyes off of these shadowy trees and this thick blackness that she just had never experienced where she was growing up. And it was scary. It was mysterious. And Elisa just couldn't take her eyes off this woods as she kept looking at it. And then underneath it all were the sound of the crickets just ongoing like a really tight rhythm section from a band that plays a lot. And before Elisa knew what she was doing, she had stood up and rather than like a lot of kids who would have gone into the tent with her parents and said, I'm scared. Elisa walked towards the woods, just a couple of steps, four or five steps away from the dimming solar powered lantern and looked at the tree. She felt closer to it and she felt that kind of scary unknown, but she was kind of drawn to it and just stood there hearing the sounds of the crickets as her parents were still futzing with the sleeping bags inside their pop-up tents. And she walked away from these familiar items and her familiar parents. And after taking the four or five steps, she took a few more steps. And she could feel the mystery of the woods increase. She could feel a little uptick in her heart rate, a little bit of tingling fear. And then she took another six, seven steps. And now she was looking down at her feet and there were weeds and longer grass from the area where they had camped, which clearly other people had camped there too. It was mostly matted down and there was an old fire pit and when they had driven in, there were warning signs about, you know, make sure you put your fire out and all that kind of stuff. So where they were camping felt like a a place that other people had been in and, and didn't feel that wild. But now she was walking into the woods. And right at that line of the weeds and overgrown grass, she had a thought, which is, I should go back to the tent but she stopped and now the blackness and the large looming towering trees were her entire frontal view 
And rather than turn around, she decided she was going to take a couple more steps, which she did. And she was now fully in the woods. Although right behind her was still the tent, she could still hear her mom and dad. But there was a silence she had never encountered in her life. I mean, the crickets were there. There was a stillness and a silence. And so Alicia took more steps. Five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. And now she was completely surrounded by the dark woods. She'd basically gone against every instinct any of us have as a kid, which is dark woods, scary, stay with parents. And she just stood there and the silence of the woods was all around her and these towering trees and this crunchy mixture of overgrown grass, weeds, dead leaves at her feet, sticks. And that's why she stopped. She didn't want that sound to be there. And she'd been to the ocean a few times and felt a little bit like that, that she was in something that was so much larger and more powerful than her and deeper and scary, definitely scary. Scary was the engine of this moment. It wasn't like a fear that was so overwhelming that she was gonna run. And she stood and stood and she, after a while, tried not to move at all so she could just feel the woods around her. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it, been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. She didn't know how long she was standing there. I mean, it could have been two minutes, maybe as much as five. And then she heard her mom's voice behind her at further distance than she thought. Lisa! And still she didn't move. She stood there feeling and soaking in and hearing, taking in this massive forests and then far in the distance her mom calling for her and she didn't say anything and she could hear or not so much hear but feel her mom behind her at a pretty great distance become a little bit alarmed and say to her 
husband and to Alicia's dad, Sean, Sean, where's Alicia? Um, you know, she's right out there outside the tent. I'm sure she's still there. I don't see her. And very quickly, her mom went from where's Alicia to being genuinely worried. And she could hear her mom yelling, Alicia, Alicia. Her dad was saying, like, calm down, honey. It's all right. I'm sure she's just right around here. She's not. I don't see her. And the only other time she'd heard her mom sound like this was a couple years before Alicia had been climbing a tree and fell out of the tree and cut the side of her head. And, you know, the head bleeds a lot. And uh, it turned out it was looked way worse than it was. She had gotten like four stitches and it was fine. And the moment when her mom came up to her reminded her of this moment. And her mom was screaming her name. And then eventually her dad joined in as well. It was a much more calm, deep voice sort of call for her. Alicia, come on, come back to the tent. And the two of them were fanning out faster and faster and calling with more and more urgency until eventually she heard, even in her dad's voice, he started to get a little worried. And Alicia was just maybe 10 feet in the woods beyond the perimeter of where they were camping but it really did feel like she was 100 miles away. And she heard these voices as they got more and more alarmed and were looking around. And at one point, her mom and dad even started to come into the perimeter of the woods, calling, looking, pushing aside brush, leaves. And then her mom started to cry. She heard choking sobs behind her calling her name. But Alicia... I didn't move. She just stood there in the woods, feeling the darkness and the trees. And because her parents were yelling, the crickets kind of quieted and they were coming closer to the woods. And, uh, but Alicia just kept standing there. She didn't know why. She didn't like it that her mom was upset but she just felt anchored to the spot that she was standing in. And then she heard her dad say, I'm calling the police. And this is the end, clearly, for Alicia. She's going to call out to her parents and let them know here's where she is. I mean, she's nine years old, but she knows when you call the police, that's a big deal. We're going into a different range here. She's causing her parents pain by continuing to stand there. So she, even in her head, was like, all right, I'm going to call out to him. But she didn't. She just kept standing there. And sure enough, they called the police and they said, we're camping. They listed the name of the campground. We're in lot 6A and we can't find our daughter. And Alicia kept standing there. And after a while, her parents continuing to call for her, continuing to look into the woods, but it was, it was big. I mean, these are, these are giant woods and there's a big perimeter around the campground. And Alicia just kept standing where she was standing and 
feeling the woods around her, hearing her parents become more and more distressed, realizing this was not a nice thing to do, but feeling just removed from the situation in a way, even when she was older, later, when she was in her late teens or 20s and she would tell people this story, she really had no explanation for why she didn't call out. The story always came off like she was screwing with her parents, but that wasn't really it. It's almost like she had accidentally stepped into a moment and a place that just anchored her so much she couldn't bring herself to pull herself away from it. And she wasn't enjoying her parents becoming upset at all. It just, at that point, just seemed like part of what she was hearing. And she seemed more removed from it than any other thing she would ever experience in her life. And then lights started showing up, flashing red lights, headlights, and there was a police car. She heard the crackle of a radio and heard her parents talking to a police officer and telling them what had happened. She was outside the tent. Now they couldn't find her. And then she saw a bright, naked white light starting to hit some of the branches and trees. And she was aware that there was another police officer. There were two of them. And they started fanning out around the woods and she could hear them comforting her mom and her dad now, who was pretty upset, telling him, don't worry, this happens. It's a child. She was probably excited by the woods and is exploring. I'm sure it's okay. And then more headlights came and another flashing light. And there were two more police officers and more flashlights, and she could hear crunching feet all around the woods, and there were beams of light going everywhere, but she didn't move. She didn't say anything. She just stood there, and this should have been stressful. This should have been upsetting, but she had a calmness to her that she'd never felt before, the vastness of the woods is just so comforting. And this went on for another 10 minutes. And she heard the manager of the campground show up and he had a flashlight. And then after a while, his wife showed up as she just stood there almost frozen in the dark woods, surrounded by these towering trees and this blackness which more and more was being cut through by the white flashlights. And eventually, one of the white flashlights hit her and caught, went across her face. And she could hear her mom scream, Alicia! And she heard one of the police officers say, she's over here. And the next thing she knew, her mom was picking her up and holding her in her arms so tightly. And then her dad was there and he just kept saying, what were you doing? What are you doing here? What's, I don't understand, what, Alicia, what are you doing? Didn't you hear us? And her mom carried her out of the woods and her dad 
also was upon her and both of them were hugging her so tight and not breaking the tightness of the hug. She could hear behind her, her dad thanking the police officers and apologizing to the manager of the campground for alarming him and the cars pulled away and her mom was still hugging her and all the cars pulled away and the manager left and slowly the crickets came back in. She could hear the sounds of them and that silence of the woods was back. For the first time, she kind of snapped out of that reverie she had had in the woods and she started thinking, oh no, I'm gonna be in trouble. But her parents didn't really say anything. They all just got in their sleeping bags in the tent and they turned out the solar powered lantern, which was pretty dim by this point and zipped up the front of the tent. And without saying one single word, her mother or father or her all laid there in their sleeping bags. And by now, all of the crickets had returned and the sound of their constant chirping, like a consistent light beat were in the background. And all three of them fell asleep. I think that's it. It started kind of scary. At first I was like... If I was laying in a dark room listening to this, maybe I'll be a little Really? Yeah. Oh, God, I hope I didn't scare anyone. But you know that feeling of the woods, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of exhilarating at the same time and peaceful, but like a little scary. But maybe the scariness for someone listening to this would help them sleep more because it's a great feeling when you're in your bed and like... They don't have thunderstorms out here in the West Coast, but the yeah, I'm sure you remember, Harry, like mm-hmm. we would have big, giant thunderstorms on the East Coast and there's no better time. Yeah, it's the best. So hopefully, if any of it was scary, it felt like that. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you're not even hearing what I'm saying right now because you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Harry, any uh, thoughts or words as we drift away? Well, thank, just thank you for listening. Thank you for your story. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay is a production of Hyperobject Industries and Sony Music Entertainment. It's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson, with production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering, sound design, and original score is by Isaac Lee. This is the final episode of the season. Maybe the final episode ever. I don't know. I'm not in charge of that for some reason. But if you want to hear more, figure out whose decision that is and message them incessantly. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Isaac put in some crowd applause noise here. Thanks for listening. And if this is indeed the end, please know that I will forever haunt your dreams. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.